Thank you, Tim. Thank you, praise team, and what a wonderful time of worship we have had together. And as we think about Christmas and have Christmas uh, sort of in our ears, ringing and resounding with the songs of Christmas, uh, we are going to be in 2 Corinthians for one more week before we take a turn and start to dive into the Christmas story. But even as we think about where we are in 2 Corinthians now, of living with confidence, and that as we walk in the reality of Christmas and face all of the wonder of what that means, and as we live that out in our own lives individually, and as we have all of these opportunities to live in the wonder of knowing Christ together, that we are meant to live confidently in Him. We are meant to have our lives transformed by the goodness and grace and glory of Christ, that we would walk in confidence, not in ourselves, just like we saw last week, we are but jars of clay, that our confidence is ultimately rooted in who Christ is and what He has done for us. That this starts with the Christmas story, but this leads all the way through into the wonder of what Christ has done for us on the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and ultimately in His return. So grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to end the chapter here today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 13, and we're going to read down through verse 18. And uh, as you're turning there in your copy of God's Word, and if you didn't bring one with you, you can grab one out of the pew rack in front of you, you can take it home with you. But as we think of where we are within 2 Corinthians, we think of God and the God of all comfort and the God who raises the dead and the God of all grace and the God who is faithful to His promises and the God who is always triumphant and the God who is always sufficient and the God who encourages us by the wonder of His work within us. With all of that in mind, let us read together in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. And this is what we read. He says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the goodness and grandeur of your grace, lift our eyes to see Christ. May we together have our gaze transfixed upon the glory of Jesus, the wonder of the incarnation and yet the wonder of the cross as well and the resurrection. Father, remind us that we would live in confidence because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Father, help us by your spirit and for your glory to come away from today confident, sure, and secure in Christ Jesus together. Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' mighty name and for his glory. Amen. So as we come right back into this text description, we think even within the immediate context of where we are, thinking about being jars of clay and Christ uh, sustaining us and the wonderful reality of the fact that so much of our lives should bring us 
to nothing, and yet by the Spirit of God at work within our hearts and lives, we are held together and steadfast along those same lines. He picks up and he says in verse 13, he says, Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. As he's talking about the spirit of faith, he's talking about that the Holy Spirit has stirred in our hearts to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So the same notion of faith in the heart and life of even the Old Testament believer, the same work is in our hearts and lives, knowing Christ is the fulfillment of all things, that we look to Him and trust in Him and trust that He is enough, that He is the message, that His death and His resurrection is sufficient. And notice how he connects this even to the Old Testament. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. He's actually quoting here from Psalm 116 verse 10. And interestingly enough, if you go back and you read all of Psalm 116, you realize that what the context of Psalm 116 is within the context of suffering, of difficulty. And that it's in the midst of difficulty as we are trusting in the truth of what God has revealed that we then have the ground to speak through faith in Christ, through trusting in Him. That same spirit of faith that's according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. He says, we also believe and so we also speak. We also believe. But we should ask ourselves, believe what? Around Christmas time, we're reminded of all, all manner of things that we must believe. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was incarnated by the work of the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary that we celebrate. We just sang of this a moment ago. These are not things that we just sort of cast out there once a year. These things are crucial things. That it testifies to the reality of who Jesus is, that he's fully God and he's fully man, that he lived in perfect righteousness, was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin, died on the cross for our sin, and during the full outpouring of the wrath of God against all who would repent and believe, that he was buried and three days later rose from the dead, that Jesus is our substitute, he is our propitiation, he is our savior, our redeemer, and the one through whom we are reconciled with the God against whom we have all sinned. What an amazing reality of what we testify to as we say we believe the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We believe and we trust that His life is at work within us, that He is mighty even amidst us as we are yet clay pots. And so, on the basis of what we believe, so we speak. There's got to be some substance there before we open our mouths. We've got to trust in Him and know Him that we would then go out and have something to say. He says, we also believe and so we also speak. We speak of the one who has saved us and the one who sustains us. We speak the truth because it is the truth that gives life and light. That in the face of all the things that we can talk about and all the many complaints that we can throw out there about all manner of different things, let's make sure not to forget that as we believe, so we ought also to speak. That the gospel really is the power of God to salvation. That He really does still transform lives. That His grace really is still sufficient. That He really does still work in that way. And that we don't have to be the Apostle Paul. 
We just believe and so we speak. And it's on that basis. And even as we think about opening our mouths, and you think about you know, all the many ways in which people can express their phobias, and many times, oftentimes, that is expressed in speaking in front of other people or having something to say. Or even as we talk about evangelism and having these conversations, there's a great deal of you know, timidity that is associated with it. Where are we going to find the confidence to speak? It's not going to be in ourselves. It's not going to be in going through another class and figuring out another thing. It's not going to be through learning another outline. That our confidence is rooted wholly in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we will live with resurrection confidence. Look at how he expresses this. He says in verse 14, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Knowing Him gives confidence. See, we recognize this in all manner of different ways, right? You face a a frustrating situation, maybe it's some sort of home repair, or maybe it's some sort of, you know, hard situation with your car or whatever else, and it's very comforting to be able to say, hey, I know a guy, right? I know someone who's an expert here. I know someone who can help. How much more so in our own lives, Knowing the glory and the power of the one of whom we get to speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also. Even this here is is fascinating how the biblical text unpacks this. Because you think about the resurrection of Christ. And so there are places biblically within the New Testament where the resurrection is talked about the father raising the son. There are other places biblically where you look at the son is expressing his own divine power. Because he even talks about in John chapter 2, he says, this temple will be destroyed and in three days I will raise it up. And even within that, you have a testimony of the divinity of Christ and the unity within the Trinity itself, even right here. Knowing God the Father through Christ, listen to what confidence we have. He will raise us also with Jesus and bring you with us into His presence. This is our confident expectation. This is the assurance in God's promise and in God's power. This is the sort of no matter what kind of hope. And if this goes through our mortal lives, if Christ should tarry and not return, we know that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who lives and believes in me, though they die, yet they shall live. We can think of the comfort of the fact of the thief on the cross who looked at Jesus after confessing his sin and believing in Christ. Jesus looks at him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That no matter what else we may face, if you have Christ in your life, you can look forward to resurrection. But even more than that, we can look forward to the second coming of Christ, where we are raised together with Him. And we get to know that we are gathered by His own resurrection power. What joy, what sort of no matter what hope we have, that we will be with Jesus forever in a new heavens, in a new earth, where there's no need for the sun because the glory of Christ is always shining with glad-hearted adoration forever that will join in the everlasting song and crown Him Lord of all. He says He will bring us with you into His presence.
Now, the word that's being used there for bring us actually has an interesting uh, expression because it's really a, a way of saying he will present us. And in one sense, it connects us with 2 Corinthians 5.10 that talks about the judgment seat of Christ. That we will be presented in a way in talking about the humbling reality of the rewards judgment laid up as we are seated before Christ. And the reminder of that, so we'll be presented there, but it's also a word that is used in terms of presenting a bride to the groom. And the joy and the excitement that is there. Many of you can just close your eyes and go back to that precious moment and be reminded of such joyful reality. And in fact, and what a picture that is of what is going to happen as we are presented before Christ, the bride of Christ, redeemed and reconciled to the Father here presented together. See, what hope we have that he keeps us together, that he will guide us to the end, and that we get to live with resurrection confidence right now. So that no matter what else we may look forward to, and of course this is a time of year where we are looking forward to a lot, no matter what may be around the corner for any one of us, our sort of no matter what hope testifies to the fact that even if the worst case scenario happens, we still have the resurrection of Christ. We still have life in Him, and nothing and no one can ever take that away. So speak and so live and so enjoy because we've been set free from fret to live. He says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. He says, it's all for your sake. This is exactly what he said in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when we patiently endure the same sufferings. We suffer. It is for your sake. We need to see how interconnected we actually are. And that your life lived for the glory of Christ will have an influence on other people that you may not even ever see. People will notice. God has so built his kingdom that it would not be overlooked. That our lives lived for Christ, sustained by Christ, will benefit our brothers and sisters in Christ. That how you live the moment right now matters. How you walk in hope right now matters. How you respond to the difficulties around you in Christ matters. How you trust in Him through things that you cannot explain and that you do not fully understand as you simply rest in Him matters. All those people in your home, all those people who know you, all those people that you'll see around this time of year, they need to see as you live with resurrection confidence in Christ, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. God's grace is extending to more and more people. God giving us what we do not deserve. God saving people as a free gift of His own wonder and His own love. As He transforms lives, as He gives hope to the hopeless and forgives those who are 
reprobate in their hearts and minds, who sets us and lets us be at peace with the Father against whom we've sinned. And then His grace just superabounds in terms of our growth and our walk with Christ and our sanctification being shaped ever increasingly in the likeness of Christ. And then as grace extends and His grace abounds to more and more people, as it overflows into more and more lives, as you see those, the dad who was once walking in darkness now walking in the light, as you know, the mom who was once just overwhelmed in her own guilt is sustained and set free and is listening to the testimony of God's word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As you walk with the young adults who are haunted by their own sinfulness, who recognize the glory of God and forgiveness as grace abounds, as salvation is poured out, as we support missionaries around the world and they're sowing the seed of the gospel among people who have never heard the gospel before and people are coming to faith in Christ as grace abounds and as we sow the seed of the gospel in our own community and look forward to seeing candy conversations lead to transformed lives. As grace abounds, grace compels and grace begets gratitude to God. That as more and more people experience the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that it may increase our thanksgiving. See, there are all manner of different ways of measuring effectiveness in ministry, and I wonder if we've overlooked a major one right here. If in the way in which we make disciples of Jesus Christ, do we see an abundant thanksgiving in the lives of those that we are walking with? Are we aiming to see lives that just overflow with gratitude to Jesus? And that it's like the more you witness the advance of the gospel as you walk with your children and they come to know Christ as Savior and Lord and you watch and you see just truth take root and you see how their, being, their lives are being shaped for the glory of God that we would just abound and be overwhelmed with gratitude. At, look at what our God has done. That every time we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're pictures of grace. Look around the room. Look at all of the pictures of grace. Look at what God has done. Look at the reasons for gratitude that we have before us right now. All to the glory of God. The grace begets gratitude to the glory of God. That we could look around and simply say, look at what our God has done. Look at what our God is doing. And let us look with great expectation at what our God is going to do. That we would live with that kind of confidence. Confidence of the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that as we live with confidence now, we can speak. We can have eager expectation. We can give thanks. We can be filled with praise and honor and adoration and glory to God Himself. And we need to make sure in all of this that in living with confidence for God's glory that we are seeing things how we're supposed to see them. Because the very next thing the, the Apostle Paul deals with here is in how we are witnessing what is going on in our own lives and why that matters. 
In the very next statement, he says, so we do not lose heart. On the basis of the resurrection confidence of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do not lose heart. Now be reminded, this, he's ending the chapter here of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in the same way in which it began. We do not lose heart. And we have to be honest that this is a constant battle. And so resurrection confidence is supposed to carry us through in not losing heart, in being encouraged in who Christ is. Because life is hard, isn't it? There's sickness and there's suffering, and there's hardships, and there's affliction, and there's sorrow. And you think of ministry itself, and you think of all of the, the cultural hurdles, and you think of all of the sort of insurmountable difficulties, and it's as though no matter what you're involved in or where you may be, if you're walking with Christ and if you're trusting in Him, there's all, always the sort of whispers around you that it's just saying, just give up, just quit, you're weary, you're tired. Just put it aside. Just don't say anything. Just don't do that. Just don't bring it up. We've got so many reasons around us. Thousands of reasons on a regular basis to quit. To give up. To say it's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too impossible. There's, it's just too insurmountable. And yet, in all of the thousands of reasons we have to quit, we have one singular reason not to, the grandeur of the glory of Christ. Christ is alive. He lives. He died and rose again. I mean, all of the whispers that we may hear around us, all the reasons we may have to throw in the towel, fix your eyes on the risen Christ and live with confidence. He says, look, let's just be honest. Though our outer self is wasting away, our outer man, our present life, our physical attributes and every, everything about our physical lives is wasting away. Sometimes you get into these interesting intergenerational conversations where an older adult will be looking at a young adult or maybe somebody even in the youth or maybe even a child. Like, oh, you don't know what you're in for now. There's more aches and pains than you can possibly imagine. You're going to have less hair. And if you have your hair still, it's going to be gray. You're going to be sore in places that you don't even know exist. Every day you're going to walk by the mirror and there's going to be new wrinkles and new ailments and new medicines for new things that you didn't even know were a thing. And you can have surgery to pull it all back and tone it all down and tuck it all in and you can color it and dye it and tan it and powder it. You can eat right and fiber rich and antioxidants and take all of your vitamins and everything else and it's still wasting away. We feel it. We know it. The audible groans right there were a testimony in and of themselves, weren't they? You can slow it down, maybe, but you can't stop it. And so we live in the frustrating reality that we cannot take what is temporary and make it permanent, and it frustrates us. And life takes its toll. And there is physical frailty. And there is brokenness. And these things ought to stir our hearts for eternal truth. 
Because in every expression of our outer man wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day. Our spiritual life, our born-again life, our life in Christ, our life made alive together with Christ, renewed, made new again, constantly, daily renewal. And we can talk about daily renewal. Daily renewal is used for, to sell us all manner of things, right? Every time you turn on the television, it's daily renewal this. You know, watch that and everything's brand new again. Put this on your car and it's going to look like a brand new automobile. You know, daily renewal sells us everything from face wash to vacations. But this is not an ointment. This is, this is not merely an opportunity. This is being refreshed constantly in the sufficient grace and love of Jesus Christ day by day. That we ought to expect renewal today. We ought to expect renewal every day. Renewal of the fact of His love. Renewal of the joy that's found in Jesus. Renewal of peace that passes all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Renewal in the study of His Word. Renewal in prayer. Renewal in gathering together with brothers and sisters in Christ and singing praise to our Savior. Renewal. Removal of the old. And refreshment and new life in Christ. And I wonder, when you woke up this morning and you tried to piece together whatever it is that you had when you walked in front of the mirror, did you have the hope in your life that you're being renewed day by day in Christ? Is this your confident expectation that as as today turns to tomorrow and you face another Monday, are you confident in the fact of the renewing power of the Spirit of God at work in your life so that you will not lose heart? So that you will face whatever is around the corner with hope and confident expectation that Jesus lives and Jesus is mighty and Jesus is good. And so we're ready to endure anything as we see the bigger purpose of what God is doing. Because he says in verse 17, for this, as he explains this reality, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Light, momentary affliction. He's saying, by comparison, this doesn't even touch eternity. It is momentary. It is temporary. Consider the eternal glory of Christ in the face of real hurts and real hardships. We need this kind of eternal perspective, this light momentary affliction. The fact of the matter is in our frail bodies and in our frail lives, it's probably not going to feel like a light momentary affliction. We can only make this declaration as we acknowledge it in comparison to what is laid up before us in Christ. And so we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's saying this is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And really the right way of of thinking through that word that is translated preparing is producing, bringing about the result. That as we face today, we have to be confident in what God is doing, that He is preparing us for the end result. Now we recognize this all the time, that you have to make, as we prepare for things, we are preparing with the end in mind. Hopefully you were preparing to pay for Christmas in January of last year. 
Then as you made preparation for your own retirement that you had to prepare for a while in order to get there. That maybe you're well into your New Year's resolution and you're doing just fine and you had to make the preparations to get there and do that. And the difficulty that you walked through, you had to make conscious decisions. This is what we're going to do because this is the result that we are after. This slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We have to recognize here though, this is only true for the believer in Christ Jesus. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the light momentary affliction of this life is actually just a precursor to the awful torment that will follow without Him. But for everyone who knows Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who has Him, affliction now will produce the result of glory beyond all comparison. See, we measure all manner of things by comparison. We do it with in terms of cars, we do it in terms of homes, we do it even with people, unfortunately. He says, look, this is, he's preparing, he's producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If you would just wanted to read it straight out of the Greek text, hyperbole to hyperbole. Beyond what we could even possibly even think to exaggerate is what is laid up before us in Christ. Suffering won't compare to the joy in Jesus that we will experience forever, where every tear will be wiped away, where every pain will be removed, where there will be endless enjoyment of His eternal love that still endures forever, and nothing will ever compare. That He has loved me and He always will. The joy of the fact that he has reconciled us to himself through faith in Jesus Christ. In the end, the difficulties of this life are opportunities for us to live with resurrection hope. The hardships that you are walking through now are opportunities for you to declare there is a greater hope than the darkness of this difficulty. And that we must see the purpose and see what God is producing out of this. That we would fix our eyes, that we would look well, and we would look rightly, and we would fix our gaze where it needs to be set. As he says in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And as he's using the word look here, he's not talking about just a fleeting glance where we're just looking around all the time. He's talking about a steady gaze. This is where our attention is set. So many people are living with your life like your head's just on a swivel all the time. Looking around everywhere. Like you're driving around looking for Christmas lights. It's how your life is on display. It's like, oh, that's something cool. Oh, look at that. That's blinking over there. Oh, look. Inflatable Santa that's 18 feet tall is sitting on top of somebody's roof. Look, it fell over in the wind. And there's all the blinking lights in our lives of triviality. And all the blinking lights of sensuality. And all the blinking lights of the fleeting pleasures of sin for a season. And even in many lives, there's a blinking light of no vacancy. 
because your life is so full of stuff that doesn't matter that you would see no substance in Christ himself. He's saying, don't look to the things that are seen. Don't focus your attention on the things that are temporary. Don't focus your attention on what you acknowledge is fleeting every morning when you wake up. Where are we supposed to look? Where are we supposed to set our gaze? Where are we supposed to set our attention? Look to the things that are unseen. The glory of Christ, the wonder of forgiveness, the reach of His grace, peace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, of belonging to God as His child, His adopted son or daughter, that His steadfast love endures forever, that His hope endures, that His resurrection power is still at work, the mysteries of His providence and the way in which He leads us all together. Where are you focused here this morning? Because there's so many things looking to capture our attention. But where we are fixed, where we are looking, where we are focused makes all the difference in the world as to not losing heart. So many of us find ourselves discouraged because we are just looking at the things that are seen instead of fixing our eyes on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The God who is at work in us, comforting us, triumphing in us, leading us in triumphal procession. And making marvels out of broken materials. We fix our eyes. We look to the things, not that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. See, he's reasoning out our focus. So we look at the things that are seen, they're transient, they're fleeting, they're fading. What we see in the mirror is fading. As we look at this present life, it's fading. We need hope that is stronger than this. You need to know that even in the midst of your own grief, as you face loss, as you face the reality, that oftentimes Christmas is a difficult time of year. We can sing all we want about joy to the world, but sometimes as we gather for Christmas, we have to sing it with tears in our eyes. Because of loss. In the midst of that, could there still be joy? Only in Jesus. But what joy there is. So that even as you face the reality of difficult things, as you face the reality of loss, as you recognize the fleeting nature of everything that is around us, don't get lost in the scenery. Fix your eyes on the things that are unseen, that are eternal. The unseen aspects of God's work in human lives as the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we would comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. The God who raises the dead the God who is so gracious, the God who fulfills his promises. Fix your eyes on that which is unseen. The unseen glory of Christ that we'll only see when God opens our eyes. You see, it's often said that people, Christians, are accused regularly of being too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. But the fact of the matter is, if we're ever going to be any earthly good, we must be heavenly minded. Eyes fixed on Christ. 
the glory of who he is, the glory of what he's done, all of the unseen realities of his love and his grace and his mercy and his comfort and his goodness and his kindness and his steadfast love that endures forever. But where's your focus today? Is it in all that's flashing around us? Maybe you find yourself just discouraged. Are you living confident? Confident with eager expectation and hope that God is producing in your life what you never thought possible, even in the midst of the hardest realities that you've ever faced. Let me encourage you here today along with 2 Corinthians, to lift your eyes and behold him. Behold Jesus. Behold the one who came as a baby. But behold him in the fact that he didn't stay a baby. He grew up. Behold him who lived in perfect righteousness who was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin, who went to the cross as the ultimate expression of God's love for you, where he would endure the full outpouring of the wrath of God against your sin so that as you repent and believe, you know that you can hear the words of Jesus, it is finished. Your salvation is accomplished. There's hope in Christ. He died and he rose again. And there is everlasting life in him so that you can live confident, expecting him to work in you even when it looks like everything is falling apart. Even when everything is falling apart. Look to Christ and do not lose heart. Maybe there are some of us here today that just simply need to reassess where we're looking, to whom we're looking. Maybe you just need to take a step back from your circumstances and lift your eyes to the risen Christ and expect Him to give hope and confidence in a life that is broken in this moment. However the Spirit leads in your heart and life this morning, I invite you, run to Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we have so many reasons in our own hearts and in our own lives to throw in the towel and to give up. So many notions that discourage us. So many things that are beyond what we can even say. Lift our eyes, Father. With your loving, merciful hand, lift our eyes to behold Jesus in all of his manifold perfection, crucified and risen from the dead. Let us fix our eyes on him and have hope. So, Father, for the person who's here today who has never trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Where finally they open their eyes to see and to know Jesus died for me. Jesus rose from the dead for me and would have forgiveness in life through faith in Him. Father, bring that about. 
And Lord, as grace extends to more and more, Father, increase our thanksgiving to you, to your glory. And Father, for all of us in here who are believers, who are caught in the trap of looking at all the things that are passing away, lift our eyes to you who is eternal, that we would live with confidence and resurrection hope through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Father, may we respond in such a way that testifies that your Spirit has taught us to live with confidence. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.